Hi, listener. This is From Ideology to Unity, a spiritual journey where we let go of ego and ideological doctrine in favor of meaning, purpose, and unity as a whole. Today, I'm interviewing Jim McCarty from L/L Research, a nonprofit organization committed to aiding the spiritual evolution of humanity towards a more loving world. They're dedicated to channeling and anchoring of love and light on our planet for the benefit of one and all. Jim McCarty was part of the team of three who originally recorded and wrote the raw material, otherwise known as the Law of One. So, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing? All right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm doing good. So... It was a there's a very interesting story about how you came across how the three of you came across um you Carla and Don came began the raw material and um what are the most memorable experiences from the process from how we got together or how we were when we were together or what part should we talk about let's go with both Okay. Well, I first heard of Don and Carla when I was living in the woods of central Kentucky, off the grid in a log cabin that I built in 1974. So I had a battery powered radio and I was tuned into a radio station in Lexington, Kentucky, and they were interviewing Don Elkins and Carla Ruckert on the topic of UFOs. And what they had to say was fascinating to me because they were talking about the philosophy that we were all part of one original thought, the thought of the creator that had made everything in the universe out of love and light. So I was trying to figure out how to meet them. And it took a few months for me to actually do that. In that time, back in 1970s, it was the black to the land movement where folks were moving there from the cities, usually uh, college educated hippies that wanted to get back to the land and go with Thoreau's idea of simplify, simplify. So we had a food co-op and one day we were having a meeting to order food and I was talking to some people from the other side of the same county I lived in. And I was talking to them about spiritual things. And I came around to mentioning that I'd seen this Don Elkins and Carla Ruckert talking about UFOs and their philosophy. And they said, well, we're members of their meditation group. We can introduce you if you like. So that was the way I met Don and Carla. I drove up to Louisville every Sunday night to go to their channeling meditations for about a year. And then they moved from that apartment in downtown Louisville out to where we would eventually have the raw contact together. And I helped them make the move. And as a result, they asked me to join them and be part of their research. Right. And uh, so what was it, was it like to be part of it? It was the most amazing thing that I had ever even imagined. It was more than that. Uh, Don and Carl had been together for 12 years before I met them uh, doing research in the area of, well, he was a UFO researcher for 25 years. Uh, he flew planes, so he'd fly off to whatever place there was a, a UFO mentioned, somebody had been abducted, and Carl would go along and take notes and so forth. So he had been in the channeling process since 1961. So by 1974, uh, they had been channeling for about 13 years. And when I came along six years later, it was 19 years of channeling under their belts. And they've been getting better and better information. And uh, when 
the raw contact came through, it was a surprise, totally a surprise. It happened when Don and Carla were teaching a fellow to channel from the Sunday night meditation group. I had just joined them three weeks earlier. So they didn't need me because they had the three people they needed. And part of my job was to cook. So I was out getting groceries. And uh, when I got back home, I walked in on the channeling right where Don is asking Ra about the um, planetary changes coming up. And uh, if you'll see in the text there that Don, uh, Car uh, Ra had to say, well, we must pause and deepen this instrument state because I'd interrupted the first raw contact. So I saw what they were doing. I walked on down the hall and put the groceries away. And afterward, uh, Don came and said, this is what we've been waiting for. This is it, 19 years and we've got the contact I'm looking for. Could you transcribe this as soon as possible? So I did. Every page I transcribed, he was pacing out in the hall, eagerly waiting it. And I'd hand it to him, he'd read it. So that was the way it started, uh, unexpectedly. And uh, from that point on, uh, Ra could answer every question we could ask as long as it did not infringe upon our free will. Ah, yeah, that's um, something I've heard about. Um, so what exactly does and does not infringe on free will when it comes to channeling? If they give you information about your future, that is an infringement on free will. Any information that could be used in your future in a specific way, not just what they wanted to do was give us spiritual principles. They said they were a narrow band contact. So we needed to ask them questions that were along the lines of the evolution of the mind, the body, and the spirit. If we got outside of that boundary too much, that was going beyond where they felt comfortable in giving information because a lot of people ask questions that are transient, like uh, when's the next, next volcano going to explode? Um, when's, who's going to win the Kentucky Derby? And things like that. Hmm. The reason it was they had a question and answer format was because they felt that was the way that they would least infringe on a free will. Uh, Brad Steiger had a term called cosmic sermonettes. Most channels in those days and still today give you cosmic sermonettes. They just talk about something. And Roth felt that in order to not infringe on our free will, they would let us ask the questions and not try to determine what we should hear. So that was a couple of ways that they tried not to infringe on our free will. So that we always would have the choice to accept or reject any information they gave us. What are the other most fundamental things that about channeling that are important to know? Well, uh, Carla had discovered through her years of channeling that um, if you have people in the group, they're asking fear-based questions that tends to detune the channel because there's really nothing to be afraid of, even if there's all kinds of conspiracy theories going around, what Ra called the planetary game, things that are always going on. Um, it's not a good idea to try to entertain those questions or try to answer them or even have them asked. Uh, another thing is that when you do get a contact and uh, you know, you're aware that some entity wishes to speak through you, it's a good idea to challenge them in the name of whatever it is, is that the heart of your spiritual journey? What is it that you live for? What is it that you would gladly die for? Carla challenged in the name of Jesus the Christ because she had many experiences with Jesus as a very young child and became a follower of Jesus then. So each person who channels is advised to find something within the heart of their being that they can challenge and say, do you come in the name of unconditional love, uh, service to others, Jesus Christ, Buddha, 
whatever it is that gives you meaning in your life. And that is a very important thing. And I think that was one of her major contributions to the concept of channeling throughout the years. Okay. If someone, now I've started reading very recently, A Course in Miracles. And in that, it mentions that if you're in a state of grace, um, the impression I get is that, well, there are um, artists, for example, where they, they're, they're in a state of love, I suppose, unconditional love. And it's almost like they're channeling source or, or something when they're doing it. Um, so, so yeah, what, what do you have to say about the other forms of channeling that might, aren't like a, a, a message, but rather uh, an activity? There are probably exceptions to every rule. And it may be that some people are so pure in their own being and spiritual seeking that they can reach that state of consciousness, which itself is a protection. But I wouldn't depend on that most of the time. Uh, each person has to make up his or her own mind about that and determine after reading the channelings that you're giving uh, and how do you feel about it? Um, how did you feel about it when you were doing it? You have to make up your own mind. But in general, especially if it's extraterrestrial sources that come from elsewhere, it is important to be able to challenge them because they are both positively and negatively oriented right. extraterrestrial sources. And um, it's a crowded universe. So we need to figure out who we got on the line. Are there neutrally oriented sources? Not usually. Uh, Neutrality is not really a way to progress. Uh, we need to polarize our consciousness uh, positively if we are service to others oriented people and negative entities need to polarize their consciousness in a negative sense to dominate and control others, to take their power, right. to make them slaves. So the process of polarization is the way to get work done. If your car battery doesn't have a charge, if it's neutral, it won't start your car. So it's the same principle. Uh, you have to have a polarization in order to do any kind of work in consciousness. Okay. I, I have a question, though, because I've heard that at a certain point in sixth density, um, there's a unification where you depolarize, where being depolarizes. The, after mid-sixth density, the concept of polarization is no longer necessary. What happens yeah. if being is channeled from above that point? Well, Ra was above that point, right? but we are not. So we need to use the process of challenging spirits for the most part. Okay, that's helpful. Um, so how would you explain densities and octaves? Each creation that we experience, and we're in one now that is... Uh, very long one. There are seven different densities that culminate in the eighth. The beginning density is the first density. Now, densities, what is dense is the light. Each succeeding dimension or density has more light in it, which means you can do more work in it, which we might interpret as exercise what we might call psychic abilities. So the first density is the density of simple awareness earth, wind, fire, and water. Eventually, 
the fire and air teach earth and water how to be formed and create what we call rivers and streams and the earth that we live upon. And viable life can then take place. So that first density has simple awareness in it. As we progress, and it's, it starts off in a timeless state, which is hard to imagine. So there is no measure of time. But when time does begin, it's two billion years long. So then when this simple awareness is able to evolve into what we call simple plants and simple animals that have movement and growth and are attempting to become self-aware, then we have the second density. And at the end of the second density, which is our longest density, 4.6 billion years, then the animals and some plants that have been able to become conscious of themselves and have become self-aware, then develop the spirit complex in the first and second density to get the mind and you get the body. At the end of second, the spirit is added and we have a complete being, a mind, body, spirit complex, as Ra called it. And they enter into what we are in right now, third density, the shortest density, 75,000 years long. And here, we're attempting to open our hearts in unconditional love. And if we can do that during the 75,000 years, then we can graduate to the fourth density, which is the density of love and understanding. And that density is 30 million years long. And the entities there have ability to understand and to love. And what they're seeking is wisdom to balance that. And that's in the fifth density, which is about 50 billion year, million years long. So in the fifth density, uh, wisdom becomes the balancing factor to love. And in the sixth density, that balance is perfected so that what Ra called a certain kind of power is available that you have more power to determine how to be of service to others when you have love and wisdom that are well balanced. So in that density, uh, there is a lot of ability to serve and Ra has uh, made good use of that. They are headed themselves toward the seventh density, which is what they call the density of foreverness. All of the densities are seeking to help the creator learn more about itself. That's the whole reason for the creation. The creator made us all to help it, help it learn about itself. And as we travel this path of seeking the service of the one creator and seeking to become one with the creator, we come to know ourselves better, come to know the creator better, and it knows itself better. It is a win-win-win all the way around. So the seventh density is where that unification takes place, that the entire creation coalesces into what we, what our physicists see as the black hole. So all light, all beingness, brings the fruit of the choice of every incarnation that's ever been had throughout all the infinity of time to the one creator for it to know itself. And at that point, the coalescence is complete and the one infinite creator brings everything into itself once again and the whole process starts over so that in the eighth density, it becomes the first density of the next octave there seems to be an infinite number of octaves, both before the one we're in now and will be an infinite number after ours is over. Okay. So does that mean that it's fractal and that so our, what we call source is, is like um, it's simultaneously a first density being? Or is it that we haven't got to that stage yet? Well, everything is the creator. There is not 
anything in our creation or our world here, including these computers, your headphones, glasses, everything is the creator. In the form of love and photons, neutrons and protons vibrating at certain angles of rotation and certain speeds of rotation that creates what we call physical matter. Physical matter seems like it's real, but our physicists look into it and they say, there is more space in what we call matter than there is matter. So everything is vibrating, everything is in motion and everything is the creator. Okay. That's fascinating. Um, David Wilcock visited you at one point. What was that right. like? He lived here for a year in 2003. And uh, we had a good time with David. He's got a good heart. And uh, there was some differences of opinion as to what he was channeling at that time. And what we eventually agreed upon was that he was channeling his uh, guidance or his higher self that uh, he apparently has continued to channel. He's brought a lot of people to the law of one. He's been very helpful in that regard. And uh, I haven't kept up with David in recent years. I understand he's in very interesting fields of inquiry. Okay. So what are archangels? Archangels are supposedly in the directions of uh, north, south, east, and west. And the archangels can be seen as uh, guardians of uh, planetary entities such as our mother earth. And they can also be called upon in certain magical white magical rituals to offer protection to a place such as in this room here, I do the banishing ritual of a lesser pentagram every day to provide protection for the room. And I call upon each of the archangels in that ritual. So they're available to help protect, to help guide, to help inspire, and to help purify. And they probably do other things as well. Okay, so if we're ever feeling like we're negatively greeted, we can do ask for, for example, Archangel Michael, and will be helped out? That you can do as a um, general rule and a general practice. But at the moment of the negative greeting, we found in the raw contact, the best thing to do is to take a little time out, meditate, send love and light to whatever entity is greeting you. Send love and light to the form their greeting is taking. Send love and light to yourself. Surround yourself in an armor of light and send love and light to the creator in all things. Any entity that would choose to attack or greet is what the term we used. Another entity is simply our brother or sister in another form. At some point, we're all going to come together at the beginning of the sixth density, because at that point, the negative polarity has to be given up and they have to switch polarities to become positive. What is the purpose of negative polarity from a universal standpoint? The purpose of both polarities is to gain experience in order to progress in a spiritual way. Um, the positive path is the path, uh, Ross said, the path of that which is. It's the path of unity. We seek to be of service to others in the positive polarity. The negative polarity is just the opposite. It's the path of that which is not, which is separation. The first thing negative entities do is separate themselves from others so that they can control them. So there's always a pecking order and the one at the top is in control. And the ones at the bottom are willing slaves of such an entity because they want to learn how to gain more power so they can control people. 
So this whole path is to gain experience for the creator. As Ross said, the, uh, the creator blinks neither at the light nor the dark, the positive or the negative, because it's all the creator. They're giving the creator another kind of experience. A lot of us in our positive paths have momentarily negative experiences that we may not be aware of or may not be able to grow out of for a while. So everything is acceptable on the paths of positivity and negativity because each path provides the creator a way of knowing itself. And each path is knowing itself by following that path and knowing the creator by so doing. Thank you. What is the great experiment? Uh, where did you get that phrase? I, I don't know. I think it's about humanity, the creation of humanity, and that we are mm. a sources experiment in some way. Well, everything actually is an experiment because a lot of what is uh, put into the process of evolution of all kinds of entities is unknown before it is utilized. Sometimes, well, for example, way back, millions of years ago, third density entities such as we are did not have the veil of forgetting between the conscious and unconscious minds. They all saw each other as the creator. Everyone was a creator, no one more than another. That state of Edenic perception did not, however, allow them to progress because there was no reason to change their station where they were. And so because this was not helping the creator to know itself as well as progression would, the various logoi or entities of love, which we would see as stars, um, decided there was some way, there must be some way of speeding that process so that they would want to progress. And so they developed the veil of forgetting. They did not know to start with how that would turn out. It was an experiment, but it turned out very well because that veil of forgetting shielded each entity in the third density from that knowledge that we all were the one creator, that our creation is a creation of unity, that is made out of love and light. But there is still something within each entity, deep within the heart of its being, uh, where its, its deep mind is connected to the consciousness of the creator. And still it wants to know more, who am I? What am I doing here? What's the purpose of my life? So that drive, that inner drive then, even with the veil, made the process much more effective. They were able to use the 75,000 years to graduate instead of having to repeat time and time again, the third density as had happened before the veil. So that was a great experiment and it worked. Okay. Thank you. So in, in the book, Carla wrote, um, a, um, the law of one, one Oh one, um, there was, a section early on about science, the law, the law of one from a scientific perspective, and it, it fascinated me. And it, what are the most so? What are the most key aspects of overlap between spirituality and modern science? Well, the science I believe that Carla was talking about was the science of Dewey B. Larson. He was into what's called the reciprocal theory. He said that all is motion. So he recognized that all of what we call physical matter is in motion, that the photons, electrons, neutrons are all buzzing around and uh, creating what we call physical matter. So his theory simply said that uh, 
everything is in motion and it is refining its motion to a point of unity eventually. Okay. And that relates to string theory probably and also and also uh, quantum physics. So yeah. Hmm. What do I ask now? <laughs> so a lot of people are having difficulties navigating 2021 in the light of what's happened in the last year. So what advice do you have about how to deal with this year and maybe coming years? So are you talking about uh, the political, racial, religious uh, divisions uh, of people? And-, and and COVID as well. And maybe things that have... Well, there are conspiracy theories. Um, I'm not asking you to get into that. But in the light of the... Comp- you know, it's very complicated what's going on. It's messy. Mm-hmm. And people don't know what's true or what to make of it. And there's all this discord and negativity, pent up negativity coming up. That's my perspective. And what's your perspective on that? Well, what's happening, it seems, is what Ra would call catalyst. Catalyst is something that happens in the world around you or within you, between you and another person that causes you some sort of distress or disharmony. And when we can take that distress or disharmony and process it so that we see that we are not separate from anybody, no matter what their belief might be, that we are all one, then we have used that catalyst in a positive sense to grow because everything that's happening helps the creator to know itself, no matter how disharmonious or catastrophic it might seem to be. What we have to remember is this third density is an illusion. It seems to be very real, but if we did not have this veil of forgetting that allows it to seem real, but be an illusion, we would discover that all is truly well and all will be well. The fact that we do not see that here gives us an opportunity to use the catalyst of everyday experience to grow by meditating on it, by looking at what the disharmony might have been, where there's a disagreement, and to see that there is an eventual unification of each person on the earth in the fourth density. Eventually, someday, everyone will graduate. Some people might not get there this time around, might have to go to another third density planet and try another 75,000 year cycle. Apparently, a lot of the population on this planet right now has been in that situation before and has chosen this planet to repeat the third density to try to get enough polarization of a positive or negative sense to graduate into the fourth density. So we can see everything that's happening as catalyst, a means by which we all can grow together and find the love that is in every moment. That's what Ra said. There is love in every moment and that is the challenge of this density to discover that love. And if we don't see it outside of ourselves, then we can see it within ourselves and begin to share it with others in a non-judgmental way. Because everybody around us, whether they hate us or not, whatever they're doing, they are our brothers and sisters. They are the creator, just like we are. Yeah, absolutely. And it's easy to forget it, but I guess maybe, what do you, is the light 
being shone on the fact that we've been living an illusion. And there's all this catalyst for people to realize that it's an illusion. When, whereas previously, people have been absolutely sure that everything's just fine. Well, most people wouldn't be able to comprehend the possibility of all this being an illusion. And that's not really the important part. The important part is that we are all one. We are all part of the creator. We all have the creator within us. And all of us are trying to travel that path, either one way or another, positively or negatively. We're trying to polarize to move from the third density to the fourth density. And we're right at the end of the third density cycle. And all of this catalyst now being so great and so intense and so varied gives us the opportunity, if we can use it, to make that graduation, that quantum jump into the fourth density. That's the trick though, is using the cows, realizing number one, that it's there to help you grow and not just dig your heels in and say, this is what I believe and that's it. You know, if you don't believe it, you know where you can right. go. <laughs> so this is about awareness, acceptance and healing on a global sale scale. Oh right? yeah, yeah, and definitely. What are the most important, oh, I might have mentioned the answer to be honest, but what are the <laughs> most important things for, for healing and integrating negative dark emotions into love well Ra gave us a, a process they called balancing and what you do at the end of the day you look at any experience you've had that has knocked you off your center of love now it can be either positive or negative but most of the time it's negative and you take that experience and you relive it in your mind you see it happening and you blow it up you make it big and then you wait until the polar opposite comes. Say you got really angry. So now you're waiting for love to show up and let it get just as big as the anger was in the actual moment that you experienced during the day. And then you accept yourself, yourself, for having this, these two ways of the creator to know itself contained within your being. And you accept the other self, if there was another person involved, as also being the creator. So it's a process of acceptance. So the reason it seems to work is that Ross said that in order to balance the distortion, you must first intensify that distortion. Do you so let it happen? So you pardon? don't make it, you don't, do you intentionally? You allow it to happen. You don't create the opposite. You just wait for wait, right. the love. The love will come when you're experiencing that's, negative emotion. Right. For most people, that's the way it works. Right. Right. Okay. So the balancing process helps us all to see that we are 360 degree beings. We contain everything within us because we are the creator. We are the, the murderer, the thief, the dancer, the poet, the mystic. We are all these things and everything else. We are the creator. We contain the creator and the universe within us. Okay. That reminds me of uh, the work of Carl Jung. Are you aware of it? Barely. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the collective unconscious. Yeah. 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 That's uh, that's basically uh, the collective unconscious is uh, what Ra would call the beginnings of the social memory complex. When eventually those who do polarize enough in one direction or another uh, will form a social memory complex where the consciousness, the memories of every entity, become available to every other entity so that there's a huge library of information that that grouping of entities, the planetary mind can call upon 
in their future when they seek to be of service to others. Is that an Akashic record? That is the Akashic record or the Hall of Records. Ross said that is the beginning social memory complex of our planet. Okay, what are the most important things for opening a heart? Well, to see everybody as the creator. If you can actually see people, no matter what they're doing uh, or saying, as the creator and love them unconditionally, that is, that is the expression of the open heart. And sometimes it takes a while to get there because it's a lot easier to just get angry at people and stay angry, to argue yeah. with them and all of that. But in your meditations, if you go through that balancing process, then all of those angers and distortions and disharmonies can be balanced by uh, an equal opposite of a, a positive nature. And we can begin to see that we are the creator. So is the other person. So is every other person. And does this, is this also the way to deal with traumas and blockages and imbalances in our chakras? Right. If you can do that, then it, opens up the chakras so that they allow more of the intelligent energy or the prana of the creator to come through without being uh, blocked or distorted. So eventually we can get to our hearts and open them in unconditional love and be available then for the harvest or the graduation into the fourth density. Okay. What happens if someone induces through vibration, like listens to certain vibration, their third eye to open before the heart is open? Well, uh, you don't necessarily have to open the energy centers or the chakras in order. So there's nothing wrong with it. It's just that what's most important is that there is a balance between the primary centers, the red, the yellow, and the blue. Those are, those are the primary colors. and They're also primary chakras. So what we need to have is a balance between those and hopefully a balance between the others as well. But now in order to make it to the fourth density, we don't have to be working with the third eye. Uh, that's the work of the adept. So the adept is one who's already opened the heart and is available for harvest and has decided to go further up into the blue, the indigo and the violet. And that can be done so that there are other types of service you can offer as the adept. So it's a priority for someone if they haven't opened the heart. It's just absolutely focus on opening your heart then you can consider the, the, the upper three chakras. That would be the wise thing to do. If you try to go too fast into the upper chakras, sometimes there's an imbalance that occurs and it is possible to uh, enter into states of mental disarray or uh, what we would call mental illnesses. What do you do that, about that once it's happened? If you've already made that mistake? Well, Working on the lower chakras is probably a really good idea, but you uh, may also have to get some um, allopathic type of counseling to kind of help you regain a center or a balance. Um, I'm not really familiar with too many techniques or too many people who've done that. Uh, apparently, uh, Adolf Hitler was one who did that. And as negative as he seemed to be, uh, because he did that, he is current, he didn't make the negative harvest. He is in the uh, inner realms attempting to heal because of spiritual pain that came from. So you maybe just have to wait until you pass from this incarnation and then your guides will help you by taking you to a healing place. Everybody that passes out of this incarnation, 
goes to a, a place where there's a healing and review of the incarnation, usually with guides. So that you see where there were certain signposts you might've missed. You yeah. see the lessons you'd hoped to learn that you did learn. And then you begin to plan the next incarnation to try to balance what you didn't get balanced in the previous one. So it might be something that has to happen in the next incarnation. Okay. So a lot of these, some of these clues like synchronicities and numerology, numbers that come up and stuff. Mm -hmm. We've got to... <laughs> I guess we've got to pay attention to what sort of signs do we do it for then? Just yeah, sorry. <laughs> so, so what was the question again? What sort of signs do we look for? Do, what do we pay attention to the most to to realize what lesson? What's the next lesson to learn in our journey of life? Well, you were talking about synchronicities, and sometimes if we come into a situation where we're thinking about a certain idea or plan of action, and all of a sudden we see uh, something that for us is a synchronistic experience, something that makes an impression on us, that's usually a sign to keep thinking about what you're thinking about. You're on the right track. Continue following that. So that's the way that our guides can give us clues as to what to do without infringing on our free will. It's like a code. And they say, uh, and some people have totem animals. Uh, when we were in the raw contact, a hawk, the appearance of a hawk was usually a symbol of confirmation for whatever we were doing. Other people have different totem animals. You know, it might be a frog or it might be a, a lizard or snake or a robin or who knows. It could be anything. It's, everybody's different. Now, um, so you have to figure out what your own totems are, or if it's uh, repeating numbers, you know, double digits, triple digits, or whatever, or, you know, just all kinds of things, synchronicities and coincidences are used to help guide us along our way. Okay. So unifin unison of opposites. I've heard that's quite important, especially as we're moving into, where well, we're in the age of Aquarius now. The ascension is ongoing. So how do we need to re reformulate our concepts in light of unison of opposites? Now, this unison of opposites, you, I, you haven't defined it, but it sounds oh, to me something right. like uh, balancing so that we can see we are, you know, the positive and the negative. Right. Okay. Well, the idea is that we're used to looking in terms of polarity and duality and this is non-duality. Mm -hmm. um, and how do we apply non-dualistic thinking to help with awakening and make a better society? Well, we look at everybody as being one. There, there's not two. There's only one power, and that's the one creator. That, that creator exists in all of us. So we attempt to see the creator in each person. That's one of the exercises that Ra gave us. They said... Uh, when you look around you in the environments you live in, see the creator. When you're with another person, see the creator. When you look in a mirror, see the creator. So there is only one real power or being, and that's the creator. 
Everything else is a distortion or a permutation of the one creator. Okay. So Mother Earth, Gaia, what have you, um, she, does she have chakras and how do they work? Uh, to my knowledge, she doesn't necessarily have chakras, but she has various levels of being. There's a first density level, a second density, and third density. And we're about to activate her fourth density right now, which actually Mother Earth is in the fourth density. Well, I said that was true back in 1980 when we had, you know, the raw contact began in 81. So her fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth are in potentiation. So there's some, they're similar to chakras. Uh, they're just densities of vibration. And uh, the first four are now activated. And we're uh, hoping that her population can follow along. So how do ley lines fit into this? Ley lines and other types of vortices seem to be where the cosmic streamings from the distant galaxies that have been engulfing planet Earth for many years now with fourth density vibrations. This is the way it's sort of like a magnetic um, interrelationship of the North and South Poles, uh, lines across. And there are certain vortices where this, this energy has been coming to Earth for so long. It's more apparent, can be used in various ways for healing of the Earth and maybe even people. So uh, there are ways of channeling or directing the cosmic in-streamings that are coming from all around the galaxy and uh, helping Mother Earth uh, to proceed into the fourth density. Okay. Now, I've heard that some people do group meditations, uh, have a Stonehenge, for example, or just online even. And I've heard they're quite powerful. What, what do you know about the benefits of doing group meditation? Well, if a group meditation has a purpose, for example, a healing Mother Earth, or healing various places around the planet where there's a lot of dis discord and disharmony, uh, they can be very powerful. Uh, especially if there are people in there that, you know, have their open hearts and they're sending that unconditional love and healing energies, or if people have the ability to visualize uh, light and love and healing energy uh, surrounding the whole planet or places of difficulty, um, it. Well, in the way Ross said, it was the law of doubling or squares. Each person doubles the ability of the other, another person. So if you've got 10 or so people, then you've got uh, one doubled as two, two doubled as four, eight, 16, 32, till you get to 1,012. And so those uh, 10 people are the equivalent of 1,012 individuals in what they're doing, and maybe more depending upon the ability of the entities, like I say, to open their hearts and love, to visualize clearly. So it's very helpful, very helpful. Okay. So I've heard that being authentic is very important. How sorry, do we... Say, you say authentic? Yeah. Okay. So what are the... How do we do that? Does it require that we know ourselves fully and accept ourselves? Well, both of those things as much as possible. I mean, it's a whole range of knowing. We are infinite beings, so we can know so much and uh, we can accept. Uh, so yeah, being able to know and accept ourselves is very helpful. And that allows us to be, uh, as you say, authentic or to be more of who we really are. All of us throughout the infinite creation are unique. There's nobody else just like you. What is the nature of our uniqueness? Uh, it could be anything. 
uh, how we perceive the world around us, how we open our hearts in love, uh, what type of information is inspirational to us, uh, how we want to be of service to others. Anything a person can think or do can be thought or done in a different way by somebody else and still achieve the same results. Okay, so our experiences make us different and unique. Do our do we start out? Does each soul start off unique as well? Oh yeah. Are we so different pieces of the overall whole? Then? Yep. We're 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 uh, like uh, pieces of a puzzle, and the puzzle is infinite, and it's every piece is different. Okay, I, I was. I, I, I intuited that, that that might be in the case, but I wasn't sure. So thanks for clarifying that. Um, so at a certain point, the I've heard that at a certain point, the, there was a, for a long time, there was the quarantine of Earth by the Council of Nine. Mm. And I've heard that that has come to an end. And now there's a greater alien presence around Earth. <laughs> what do you have to say about that? Uh, I doubt that. <laughs> okay. Uh, the quarantine is very much in need right now. We have gotten no information that says there's no quarantine anymore. Uh, it's been in effect for the entire 75,000 years of the planet. And the, the quarantine isn't uh, a force that keeps all entities out. There are windows in the quarantine that allow entities who are magically able, I'm talking about negatively oriented because positively oriented entities would not try to break through the quarantine. They would go before the council of Saturn and ask, maybe provide this service that we have, we have a thought that it might help. And then the council decides. Negative entities, sorry about that. Negative entities have these windows that have been put there by, um, guardians of a higher level of density that now and then open up if you have the magical ability to perceive them and to travel through them. But she must be fairly powerful to do that. However, there are entities that can do that. So all throughout the existence of the quarantine, there have been ways for negative entities to get through because it's necessary for there to be a balance of positive information available to earth entities and negatively oriented information. So when our group was producing the law of one through the raw contact, we suffered psychic greetings uh, that were from negative entities that had the right to be there and to greet us to see if they could stop us. Uh, if they had, didn't have any sources they could channel through uh, of equal information in the negative sense, they had the right to try to stop us because there has to be a balance of information available to the entire population of Earth so they can make a choice through their free will. Do I want to be positive? Do I want to be negative? And when we make that, when we have that greeting, it can actually polarize us further to service for others. Right, because the greeting cannot be just manufactured out of thin air. It has to take into account some disharmonious choice that you have made. And if you have done that, if you have, you're standing close to the light when you're producing information like we did in the raw contact. And if you do not have this harmonious feeling at all times and you cast a shadow, then that can be used as a means of intensifying so that you are then greeted or psychically greeted 
and have to deal with that. And now, if you can deal with it in the way I told you, sending love and light to the greeter and to the sending yourself and the creator, that type of greeting can actually help you grow because what it does is point out your shortcomings, where you were disharmonious and where you allowed it to, to be without healing it uh, quickly enough. So uh, you can look at it in both ways. It can be a, a left-handed compliment or it could be a stopper if you're not aware of how you are being greeted or where it came from, that you were the beginning of it. Okay. Do you, what's your opinion about disclosure or about, about aliens? Well, we are, we've heard that for a long time, that there was going to be uh, a disclosure, that uh, everything was going to be made known. Uh, and you've seen some evidence of that on the news where uh, Navy pilots show you a video of what seems to be a UFO and so forth. So they're, they're kind of getting that direction. Uh, we had a friend in Philadelphia who said he had inside, inside contact with uh, some sources within uh, the, the government that said they were hoping to make a disclosure, but there were so many different places where the information had been distributed. Nobody had the whole story. They didn't exactly know how to go about it. So it may or may not occur, but it's really not all that important because people who are aware of the spiritual journey on the planet know that aliens have had a hand in that, that they're part of it, that they're here. Most of them are here to help us. Some of them are here to enslave us. So you have to use your own discrimination. And that's true with every piece of information you ever get. Every word I've spoken, you need to use your own discrimination to determine, did that make any sense or not? Okay. So some people in the New Age community talk about, uh, they, they claim to be able to use something called they call light language, which seems to be a language that's, um, you know how om and other the other tones like a tonal language that's aligned with the universe in some way is that mentioned at all by ra or quo uh ra mentioned there were two languages that they knew of uh hebrew and sanskrit that if you could intone in a certain way that's the trick is the intonation of the language not just the language itself that it was as if the creation itself begins to sing within you you are one with the creation so the, yeah there and there might be others too uh, i'm not i haven't heard of the light language but there could be other other ways of doing that okay so what's the key to getting in touch with our intuition asking for it um meditation is a good way to begin uh if you can go into meditation with a question um as to what you should do on the, your spiritual path or what's your focus, what's your service or whatever. Uh, ask that question beforehand, meditate, see if their answer comes. Uh, you can use dreams to do the same thing. If you can work with your unconscious mind in dreams to let it know that you're serious about wanting to discover more about yourself, then dreams are a very good way to do that. Uh, automatic writing frequently helps uh, if people have uh, an ability for that. It's, it's like channeling with a pencil or a pen. Uh, ask a question and then just start writing about it. Just see what comes out. Uh, 
different ways of getting in touch with your intuition because we all have it. It's a, a little deeper part of our consciousness, but it's got a connection to the uh, unconscious mind and to the planetary mind and to the cosmic mind. So um, basically it's your desire, your will, and also your faith that it's possible. Your desire to do it and your faith that it will happen. Okay, thank you. Some people in some people who are aware of the law of one or those similar ideas seem to they seem to oppose the idea of shadow work because they feel like it's actually negative and detrimental. Uh, do you have any advice for? for them perhaps well what what is shadow work i'm not familiar with that term in okay in a work or you it, suppose the healing of your negative looking at exploring your dark side and the the negative emotions that you have and transmuting them into light okay yeah carlo called that working with your shadow right and yeah it's, it's a very uh very helpful thing to do actually because we all have such a shadow uh, usually it comes from childhood when you were told uh, not to do this, not to do that, that you're not good enough. Uh, for some reason, now that's the voices in your mind that are of a limiting quality, a demeaning quality that have stayed there in your mind and continue to talk to you in some way. So it's a good idea to try to get familiar with them because if you can accept them, draw them within your being and love them, you can incorporate their, their grit, their strength, their determination into your being. And together, you become a much more light-filled being because that shadow side uh, will be there unless you help to uh, absorb it and be one with it and recognize it and love it. Okay, that's a very, that's a good answer. Thank you. So, Ra was the a being that you three have channeled or Carla channeled actually uh, from what I recall you have channeled Ra as well but there's also no I have not no one else okay. has channeled Ra just Carla. Uh, never mind but <laughs> okay there's also Quo and there's some certain other ones as well mm -hmm. that have been channeled uh, by our research right right and uh, so what exactly is Quo? Quo is a principle that is composed of three different planetary minds. A planetary mind is what would happen if everybody on Earth had one mind, one direction, the Akashic records. So a planetary mind, the first one is the fourth density of Hatan. That was our first contact back in 1961. So they're the density of uh, love and understanding. Then Latwi was the next channel that Carla channeled before the raw contact. They were fifth density, and they were planetary mind as well. And then raw, of the sixth density, together blend into a principle called quo. So raw is in a step down mode where the material is not as precise, but it is very poetic. And uh, many people like it better than the, the raw contact because it's, it is poetic and it's beautiful and it's uh, easier to understand as well. So that's who Quo is. And we started channeling Quo in 1986 and we still channel Quo today.
Okay, thank you. So you mentioned something very interesting. So there's these three planets and all the beings on them uh, in communion, I suppose. And, um, and they're working together. So are these part of one civilization or three civilizations? Three. And it's an alliance. It's a principle of three civilizations. Right. I mean, do you know which civilizations they are or just the planets? The only one we know of is uh, Ra, which came from Venus. So the Venusians, basically. Venusians uh, who are now on the sun. And we don't know where uh, Hatan came from. We don't know where Latwi came from. And what's their polarity? Are they all service to others? Oh, yeah. Okay. So, um, so, so what are Hatan and Latwi like? Well, uh, Hatan always seemed to be very stable and um, loving and wise. Uh, Latwi seemed to have a really good sense of humor, uh, a little lighter hearted. Um, a lot of insights. And of course, uh, Ra seemed to have all of those qualities. Okay. So, um, do you have any favorite quotes, I suppose, from Ra or the quote principle? Well, one of my favorites from Ra is uh, those who of like mind together seek will far more surely find. That helps us all to get together and to help each other along this path seeking. Because uh, if you can do it together, uh, it's just so much more efficient because some people have more ideas in one area. Some people have more ideas in another. And they can say, yeah, that makes sense to me because, and here's my experience. So uh, I like that one a lot. I think it's uh, why we're here. What's the optimum amount of people for that kind of team? I don't know. <laughs> I imagine with the internet, it could be relatively large, although if there was so much information, I guess the ability to absorb the information that's produced by the team would be the limiting factor. You know, there could be, I guess you'd say too much of a good thing, but I don't know where that point would be. It would be different for different people. What is fourth density society like? Well, uh, when Don asked Ra that question, they said they had a real problem in giving us solid information because our words and languages don't have the concepts to properly describe what it's like. But what they said they could do, they could give us some idea about what it was similar. They said uh, the bodies are, are lighter in material weight, but they're denser in light. So overall, they're lighter. Uh, communication is telepathic, uh, not spoken, unless you choose to speak, you can do that that there is no disharmony in the fourth density, that there is no possibility of creating disharmony in the fourth density, that people are all very different and yet they are blended together by consensus reality. So those are qualities uh, of the fourth density that they could talk about. Uh, and it just let, lets you know that there are others that are even more amazing that words can't describe because they call our words sound vibration complexes. 
and they said they're limited and uh, there's only so much they can describe. Right. So I, I've been wondering recently myself, like what form it would take. And I, I imagined there wouldn't be a state as we know it, because that relies on imposition through force. And if everyone's self, if everyone's ascended, right, like we would all be more self-reliant and yet cooperative. Um, that's an impression yeah. I've got. Yeah, totally cooperative. Everyone wants to do uh, whatever they can to help serve others. Higher density beings are in the social memory complex and they progress themselves by reaching their hands back, you might say, to those who do not know as much as they do so they can help their brothers and sisters along. And that's why channeling happens because that's a way of reaching back and giving spiritually oriented information that can be used for spiritual growth. So that's their service, uh, the continuing service to others. Right. So what's your opinion? What's your perspective about timelines? Timelines apparently exist. Uh, Ra call them uh, possibility probability vortexes. And that uh, one timeline can continue for a certain period of time until certain results are achieved or some other element enters and then there's a new possibility probability vortex if the purpose of one is completed then there's another beginning there's always a, it actually there's infinite timelines uh, our third density illusion has different sub densities in it an infinite number of sub densities so that whatever thought you think can become a reality in another density um, or a timeline uh, there are there seems to be an infinite number of them and the ones that we are on right now seem to be of a certain nature and uh, we as a group consciousness on earth can determine some about how that timeline proceeds if it goes towards uh, positivity negativity or confusion no choice um, we all have a say in that and we, we all do say something by the way we believe, by the way we think, and by the way we act. Okay. And for those who are worried about things getting more authoritarian, um, what, do you, what advice or assurance would you give them? Well, you contain the world within yourself. Each of us does. You can live a spiritual journey, even when it seems like the world outside of you is uh, locked down or authoritarian or crazy or whatever. You can always be of service by opening your heart in unconditional love. And that is what will take us all through the experiences that we're going through now. Uh, loving each other, seeing each other as brothers and sisters, that uh, may have some confusion, but whatever way we can help, large or small, we should do our best to give our love to all. So that's the deal. Love. That's a good point. And we can be grateful for the catalyst. I mean, there's oh, yeah. plenty of opportunity to grow. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, we haven't really talked about your relationship with Carla and um, 
so you've I guess there must have been some very um how do I put this? So um what are the most memorable experiences for you with Carla and Don? Well, the work we did together was uh, such a, a beautiful, powerful, uh, exciting experience that uh, it was like being on a golden mountaintop. And I knew then that that was the, uh, the, the experience of my life. Now, since then, it's uh, you know, been very interesting and I'm glad to be here doing what I can. But uh, yeah, we had a harmony between the three of us that was uh, very unusual in that we didn't have to work at it. Uh, Ross suggested we had been together many times before, and I think that's probably the reason that the harmony was so easy, because we had uh, done this kind of work before. And that was the really the, the beautiful thing, that uh, we didn't have to uh, do any kind of discussion about what to do, how to do it. It just seemed to just come of its own accord, and we realized it and did it and uh, enjoyed it. Um, and then uh, after Don was gone, Carl and I had 31 more years together and we were married for 28 of those. And it was a, it, all a learning experience. It was all beautiful. It wasn't all beautiful because you know, learning sometimes has to be, uh, Ross said some learnings are traumatic and illnesses and uh, things like, uh, well, the, the way Carla had to go through the last four or five years of her life confined to a hospital bed because of a surgical wound that wouldn't heal. So that would seem to be mostly a traumatic situation, but it turned out to be a way for both of us to learn lessons that were planned for us to learn. She had, as a child, learned how to give without expectation of return from her mom and dad because she had a very high intelligence. And they decided the way to encourage that intelligence was to never compliment her, but only give her constructive criticism. So. Under those conditions, she learned how to give with that expectation of return. She didn't get anything back for it. Uh, and so Ross said what she needed to do to balance that then was to learn how to accept the love offerings of others. And being confined to the hospital bed the last four, four or five years of her life, she had to learn how to accept the offerings of others, especially me, because I was her caretaker. But everybody else, you know, had to do things for her that she couldn't do for herself. So that seemingly very distressing situation had a purpose and she did learn how to accept the love offerings of others. And I, in turn, got to learn how to open my heart in love to her in a special, you know, uh, uh, universal sort of way because I, I loved her uh, as a wife for sure. Oh, it wasn't so, unconditional until that point. Yeah. And okay. So that was, so you had a, a moment or a transition where you be, found yourself loving everyone and everything unconditionally. And what's that moment when your heart opens fully like? Well, for me, uh, my heart started beating very, very fast and the tears started flowing uh, very abundantly. And I knew right there that uh, unconditional love had come into my heart. August 31st, 2015. I mean, 
I don't know if I've had that, but I've certainly had situations where I've been very focused on gratitude and spontaneously cried. So mm-hmm. I suppose it maybe it happens in stages. It does. I do believe it does. So she saved your life. What was that like? <laughs> that was an experience. Yeah. Um, well, that was a turning point where I really felt that uh, I fell head over heels in love with her. I just loved her before. But I saw somebody who was willing to give her life for mine. Because at the moment, we were uh, swimming off the shores of South Carolina, and there was a riptide that came through, and it was carrying me out to sea. And uh, so she got behind me with the sea behind her, and she pushed as hard as she could with her feet on my uh, lower back and got me to the point where I could get my feet on the the, the the ground underneath, you know, the, the seabed. And uh, so there she was ready to you know, float out to sea for after doing that. And I thought she's willing to give her life for me. And then hopefully and gratefully, a big wave came and deposited her on the shore. And we both decided, well, it might be time to go in. <laughs> yeah, that was an amazing experience. And uh, that deepened my love for her uh, immeasurably. Thank you. And actually, I've got one more question because I haven't asked it yet and I'm really curious. What's your... What do you know about sacred geometry? Nothing. Okay. <laughs> well, that, that's a very... Sorry. <laughs> that's <I> fine. Just... <laughs> well, it was a very good interview. Um, and... Uh, no, it's it's fascinating to talk to you. I and mean, I don't want to put you on the pedestal, but yeah, I mean, yeah. you're one of those three who, behind the um, raw material. So this is important to me. Well, I appreciate being on your program and uh, you ask good questions and Thanks. there's no, no pedestals for anybody because as Carla said, we're all bozos on this bus. Right. <laughs> yeah, we are. <laughs> but we're doing our best and we can still do really good things, even being a bozo. I suppose oh, this planet is one big bus, right? We might as well yeah, yeah. <laughs> it truly is. But it's an amazing place, amazing place. You know, and I think once we're all through this incarnation, we'll look back on it, we'll say, wow, I am so honored to have gone through that. It was really hard at the time, but I did it. What a ride, eh? What a ride, truly. <sighs> it's like we've all got steering wheels. Like there's, not, there's no one at the front. It's just all of us. <laughs> we'll get off and we're like, oh God. Well, um, yeah. So I am um, I really enjoyed it and um keep up with all the good work. We'll give it a try and you keep up your good work too. All right. Um all right, thanks everyone for listening and um bye Jim. Bye Nicholas. Take care, stay healthy. Yeah, you too.